Hopefully you have your uh, Bible with you. We bounced around a little bit, but you can turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we'll spend a good chunk of time. We want to continue our series that we've been doing on God's generosity. And I hope, that, uh, I hope that's been good for you. Um, for people like me, that's a, a good thing to be reminded of is God's generosity. You say, what do you mean people, people like you? I'm, I'm really good at, at seeing uh, the negative in things. I'm just, it just jumps out at me uh, how, to, how to fix things, what needs to be uh, repaired or, or worked on. You can usually see the downside of, of stuff. And I'm guessing some of you are, are that way as well. And so it's good for us to see God's generosity and to see how good he really is to us. Because I think <clears throat> at times we can let the struggles of the world, we can let the difficulties of life start to inform the way we think. And we start to think that God is not kind to us. We start to think that God is not a, he's not a good and loving God. Because why would a good and loving God allow bah, bah, whatever? We, we can fill that in with all types of things. But when we look at the very beginning, how we, how we have done, and we see how God has been very kind and generous to us in creation alone, and then you see how kind he's been to us in Christ, even when we don't respond how we should to God, God has responded in a way for us that is just loving and generous and gracious through the blood of his, his son Jesus. And so I hope that looking at these things is, is very helpful to all of you, because I do think this is how we should be thinking. This is what should be on our mind as Christians, of God's kindness, of sharing this with other people as well. And, and what happens, I think, is when we, when we focus on that, what God does is God begins to change our hearts. He begins to change our, our motives, which in turn changes our actions as well. And so we're kind of getting into that phase of the, of the sermon series of looking at our, at our actions in response to God's generosity. We want to be like Christ. And, and so what God does is he, he, he saves us through the blood of Christ, but then he, he changes us into the image of Christ slowly and surely, where one day when we're with him, we'll fully realize that. But until then, for many of us, it's a slow process, isn't it? It's a slow process. But there are things that the Bible tells us that if you're a child of God, if this is what has happened to you, then this is how then that plays out in your life. This is what it's going to uh, look like. This is how you then should live. Yes, we are covered by grace, and, and we understand that, that we can't earn salvation. That's not what we're talking about. We're saying when, when salvation is given to us, we understand that. When his grace is poured out, then how does that then play out? And last week, Pastor Scott talked about that some uh, when he talked about it focusing on, on the family. And how God not only blesses us with family, but he, whether you think this or not, God has blessed your family with you. And they should feel that. They should know that. They should sense that. That you love them and that you care for them and you want to strive to do good for them, no matter what your role is in the, in the family. And now don't get me wrong, it'll, it'll play out different in every family. That's why we can't get up here and say, you know, this is a, the exact amount of time you should spend with your parents. You know, this is the exact amount of chores you should do at home as a child to be considered a, a good child. We, we can't lay that stuff out there. Every, every family's different. There are some of you who you hang out with your cousins every week. And you think, I'm such a good family member. And then there's others of you who you're like, I haven't seen a cousin in years. I'm not saying one of you is better than the other. 
can't do that. Why? Because families are different. They just function different. But what we do see is that when we are a part of a family and however we fit within our family, we are to honor that family. And we are to be generous within our family because God has blessed us with that. And so Pastor Scott talked about that last week. You can go back and hopefully listen to that uh, online or on the podcast at some time. This morning, what I want to do is I want to spend a little bit of time fleshing out for us how the Bible speaks for us as Christians uh, within the church. Is what If God is a generous God and we then in, in turn are supposed to be generous, what does that look like within, within the church? Now today's going to be a journey because if I'm being quite honest with you, I don't even know where I'm going with all of this at this point. Uh, I think this is two sermons, but we're going to find out. It might be one. We'll see how it goes. But it might be two, okay? Uh, we'll, we'll see. But what I want us to realize, and I, I don't think we, we always think of it this way. I know we hear these words, but I don't know if we internalize them. What God does for us as a church family, all of us in this room together, as we join together in membership into this body, I'm not, I'm not speaking of the, the universal church, although there's, there's application to that as well. Here, God uses us. I want you to hear this, Ron. God uses us to minister to each other. And when we don't do that, we're kind of robbing, robbing each other is what's happening so a phrase like, what has God done for me lately? Somebody might say. Well, as you sit here and listen to me preach to you this morning through the word of God, God is ministering to you through me to speak to you this morning. Now that's an important task I feel that I, I have. I don't want to mess that up, but we'll get to this more, I hope. But as you guys walk in the hallways... As you guys shake hands with each other, God ministers to you through that fellow church member who shook your hand and greeted you this morning. God ministered to you through them. That's how God served you this morning. That raises the bar, doesn't it, of how important it is for you to be here, for you to care for each other. You might think that, you know, all I did is I bought some pizzas and brought them to their house because they weren't feeling that well. And so I, that's all I did. I went to Little Caesars and got the $5 hot and ready's. I think they might be $6 now. I don't know. I, I don't do Little Caesars, just being honest with you. I like crazy bread. Don't do their pizza that much. But anyways, you think it's not that big of a deal. Listen, God just ministered through you to your church member in such a loving and kind way. And that church member might look at you and say, well, thank you for doing this. But we should know God is doing this for you through me. It was just 12 bucks, you know, I mean, and God gave me that money. God, God allows me to have these things. That's what I really want us to see from the sermon this morning, and if it spills into next week, is that God uses us to minister to each other. He does this on a universal level as well with non-Christians, and we'll get to this also in a, in a couple sermons, with non-Christians out there doing work, filling vocational roles, God ministers to you through them. Uh, this is, I guess this could be a little uh, sneak peek, but you know, like in our family recently, my dad had to have a, a pretty major surgery, pretty major heart surgery. And it would have been a shame if God would have said, Tim, I need you to minister to your dad. Well, how are you going to do that today? Well, you're going to crack his chest open and work on his heart. I would have been like, ooh, okay, that's going to be a tough one because I don't know how to do that. I, I'm not, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be good at that. And so 
But what God provided for my family is God provided doctors, nurses, caregivers, who God worked through, whether they wanted God to work through them or not, right? Because they don't, I don't know if they were believers or not, but God worked through them to perform a successful surgery, right? Which was a great kindness that God had poured out on my family through non-Christians doing what? Their everyday work. Just doing their, their normal task, their, their normal job, which some of them probably didn't want to go do that day, right? They didn't want to go into work. I don't want to have to clean this room again, right? I don't want to have to deal with this. But they did. And God was very kind and gracious to my family and ministering to my family through those people. So God does this on a, on a universal level, but God also does it on a level here within the body of Christ, his church, as we serve each other doing the things that Christ calls us to do within the church, we're then able to serve the church. In 1 Peter chapter 2, I know I, know I told you to turn to 1 Corinthians 12, and that's where we'll, we'll go in a little bit. But in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 5, Peter says something that is a big deal. He says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. One of the big things that has happened in the life of the church and God's kingdom is something called the Reformation, which I'm sure you've heard of before, but I know I didn't know much about it uh, growing up. But as Protestants, this is kind of a big deal. Uh, for us. One of the big things that came out of the Reformation a little over 500 years ago was the return to the concept of the priesthood of all believers. And that's what we see here in 1 Peter chapter 2. You see, in the Roman Catholic Church uh, during that time and even continuing, it was seen that only certain individuals were called to quote-unquote holy work. This would have been the priests, this would have been the pope, this would have been the cardinals, and on down. They were given the task of the holy work, and all other vocations were seen kind of as temporal, seen as even profane. But the real important work was done to these certain people called to these certain tasks. And those people who filled uh, these holy jobs of, of priests, they were seen as a higher order within life because their work was so much greater. See, they were the ones that had the word of God. They were the ones that determined what the word of God said. They were the ones who determined who the people, what the people of God would hear. It was them who determined that. And so, again, they were, they were elevated in a way. Now, the reformers began to stand against this and said that what was happening within the church at the time was a tradition that wasn't actually biblical, that the Bible says something different, that there isn't a special order of priests, but that the Bible teaches that all Christians are, are priests, that there's a, a priesthood there that we read there in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 5. And so we see this idea of a holy priesthood that Jesus, we see this in Hebrews, Jesus is the, the great high priest who came once and for all, sacrificed his life, uh, went through suffering so that he could understand us perfectly, died for us perfectly once and for all. And so Jesus stands as the great high priest, the one great high priest. But what Jesus has done is Jesus has allowed us as being our mediator to come to God through him. And so this is where we see this idea of the priesthood of all believers. Because before it was just the priests that could do that. Now 
We do that as believers, as Christians. We have that privilege. We have that right to go before God because of the blood of Christ. And so now, being in Christ, we are made priests to do that quote-unquote holy work. And we'll see more about that shortly this morning. But this is the role of all of us. The priesthood of all believers. Notice I said that. Of, of all of us in here, we have this role together. Now, sadly, what has happened since the Reformation, and especially in America, just because of with some of our ideals and what we stand for, I think what we have seen, and I read an article by Ryan Griffith on Desiring God that was very helpful with this, what we see, sadly, is an overcorrection. Uh, we've seen an overcorrection take place because in America where individualism is so important, what happens is you, you take yourself uh, to the top. It, you, you start to reign yourself. I, I, I'm a priest and I'm alone in this. And that's, that's not true. Right? It's not uncommon today to hear people think that they can be a Christian on their own because they would say, they, they might even quote this, the priesthood of all believers, so I can, I can sit in my living room today, I can open my Bible today, I can read the Bible today, and I can declare at the end of it, we just had church. I just had church. And see, there's been this overcorrection as if there's, there's no roles and there's no responsibilities, but we know that that isn't true. There, there are roles and there are responsibilities that the Bible teaches us especially in the New Testament we, we see that there are pastors and there are teachers and, and there are these different uh, authority that is given to them within the body of Christ to teach, right? To be able to, to do that. And so with that, that Ryan Griffith, he said something in there that was striking to me. He said, what's happened is we've went from the priesthood of all believers and it's morphed into the priesthood of the believer." We've took out the word all, all of us in this together. And sadly, it started to be replaced just with, with me. You say, well, where do we see this happening? Here's an area where I've been praying a lot this week that I wouldn't get on a soapbox because I don't, I don't want to do that, and that's not my goal. But there is an area of life where I hear within, within church often being used, which shows me that we really hold on to the priesthood of the believer instead of all believers, and it's this word of callings. These special callings that we have as individuals. Sometimes it comes out in a very honest way of I wonder what my calling is. You know, I wonder what, what this, where God is going to take me and do with me here. You see, people, what they start to say is, God has called me to this, and and as a church, you guys might start to think, that's not your calling, man. <laughs> well, no, 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 Pastor, God has called me to this. It's like, mm, I don't think God's called you to this. And usually what the response would be is, who are you? Who are, who are you? Or we could take it to another level. Maybe this happens in the home. The child says, I really think what God wants me to be when I grow up is this. And you as a parent think, no, you're not cut out for that. I, I know you think you have that ability, but mm, that's not happening today. See, I had my own father do that. He's not here. He's recovering, so I can say these things about him today. But um, I had a huge dream. I was going to be a basketball player. That was my dream. And I told my parents that. I, I would write it in reports. What are you going to do when you grow up? Oh, I've got to get this figured out. I'm going to play basketball my whole life. That's what I'm going to do. And I remember one day my dad said, no, you're not. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yes, I am. 
I'm one of the best on every team I've ever been in. What are you talking about? This is going to happen. He's like, you're like 5'10". So? Yeah, you don't get to the NBA being 5'10". See, now, when my dad told me that, I was like, in my head, I'm thinking, you don't love me. That's exactly what I thought, because that was hard for me to hear. But what was he doing? He was using wisdom. He was using parental authority that he had been given by God to do what? To lovingly guide his child to maybe actually be successful in life, right? To say, Tim, that's not going to happen, man. I'm not trying to be mean, but that's, that's not your calling. Now, I could have looked at my dad and said, who are you? God told me this is going to happen. You see, everything just pointed to no. And, and what, we, what I realized is like God, God used my dad to help me there. To help me to see, yeah, that's probably not true. This is a fun game. And maybe it can do some stuff for me, but I'm never going to go that, that big. Now, that, again, that was a family situation. That, what I'm trying to get at here is God has established for us means by which God works through. And when we look at the New Testament, God uses the church to work through the people of God and even the callings of the people of God. And this is where I struggle. This is the soapbox thing is I'll have people come to me and say, Pastor Tim, I'm going to be a missionary. And I'm like, oh, yeah, where are you going to go? And they already have it in their mind. I'm going to Budapest. Oh, really? Budapest? Why Budapest? I don't know. Read about it in a book. Uh, okay. How are you going to get there? I don't know. God will provide. It's his calling. I'm like, okay. Well, there are some things within the Southern Baptist Convention that could help you with this. You know, there's, there's the International Mission Board. There's schools. If you're really interested in this, you should probably go to this school, and you should then work through the International Mission Board, and they will help you. And inevitably, what has happened almost every time I've had these conversations with these people and they're calling, you know what they end up saying? I am not doing that. And I said, well, why not? Because when I go to school and when I deal with the International Mission Board, you know what they're going to do? They're not going to let me go to Budapest. They might tell me I have to go somewhere else. And I am called only to Budapest. And I think, you just answered for me the truth. You're probably not called to be a missionary. Because you're not telling me you love people. Right now what you're telling me is you just love one certain type of people. And if you can't go to that people, who cares about the rest of them? Right? You see, the motive is wrong. And what we see in Scripture, and we're not going to spend a ton of time in this, but we see this in Romans and we see this in other places, like when it talks about how are the people going to know unless they are told about the gospel? How are they going to know unless people are sent? And who sends? The church sends. We send. It's not a bunch of individuals going and just doing whatever they want. I was talking with Spencer just a little bit here. Paul himself Paul had one of the most astounding experiences anybody has ever had. If you, do you know what I'm talking about? When he, he's on his way to Damascus and what happens? The Lord meets him there, blinds him, saves him, changes his life radically. But yet, what does Paul do in order to go on Michigan mission? He goes to the church. He goes to the church and the church says, yes, go. This is your calling. Go and do these things. Always works through those means. And when I was talking to Spencer, he reminded me, and this is a good point, he said, even Jesus himself and his calling worked through 
John the Baptist. John the Baptist said, here he is. John the Baptist went and said, here comes the Lord, the one who I can't even tie his sandals. You see, these are the means by which God works. And so we have to be very careful today to think that we can go out and be some sort of lone ranger Christian without the church. Because that's not how God has decided for this to work. And I hope that we'll see that very clearly. You see, I really have two, two points, and this is where I think one point is going to be enough this morning, and we'll look at the second one. But the two points are this. Christ serves the, serves the church through us, and he, he talks about it in two ways. One is the body of Christ, and the second is the family. And so we'll talk probably about the family next week. This week I want to talk about the body. Okay, so again, what we see here is Christ serves the church through us. Uh, Pastor Scott, I think, read this last week in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 to 23. Uh, Paul writes, he says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Again, as we serve in the church, it is Jesus serving the church through us. And we see it very clearly here in Ephesians. He is of it all. He is in it all. This is his church. It states very clearly there in Ephesians. He's the head of it. The way he chooses to fill all in all is pretty amazing. He chooses to use us, you and I. This was God's plan. This has been God's uh, desire since the beginning. Christ is the head serving the church and how does he serve the church through you and through through me think about that that didn't have to be the case this isn't how god had to do it but this is how god chose to do it and we get to work in Christ's church we have the privilege to be able to serve each other and in so doing as i've been saying jesus then ministers to the church there's a book by Gene Veith, and in it he says it this way. I liked it, it was just very practical. He says, God spoke to me today through the pastor preaching the word of God. God cleaned the church today through those who cleaned the church. God made me a meal today through the lady who brought me a dinner. See, this is how God has chosen to work amongst us through you and through me. And like I said, there's a couple of analogies that he uses, and the first one is the body of Christ. This is where 1 Corinthians 12 comes in. So I want you to follow along with me. As we think about the body of Christ, Paul lays out a big chunk of it here in this chapter. And so listen as I <clears throat> read it. Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the one spirit to another the working of miracles to another prophecy to another the ability to distinguish between spirits to another various kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues all these are empowered by one and the same spirit 
who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. If we were to continue to read, the more excellent way we see in chapter 13 is love. That love goes above all of those things. I think the question that we ask after we read this is, what does it mean to be a part of the body of Christ? Well, it laid out for us in Ephesians, and we see this also in verses 4 through 11 of what we just read, that Jesus is the head of the church. We've talked about this. This is his church. The universal church is... That's his, it's his church. This, this isn't my church. This isn't your church. We can't claim it. It's, it's Christ's church. He is the head of it. Now, what we do see, though, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is that all of us are called to play different roles within the body of Christ. And in Ephesians and also in here, Paul would say all types of things that we are called to. Apostles, prophets, there's teachers, there's evangelists. There's, there's all different things that it's said in Scripture. And if you're involved in the church at all, you know that there are many different roles within a church. Uh, today, uh, I'm sure church is very different than it was in the New Testament. But if you look around here and if you're a part of this church, there's all kinds of different roles. There's all kinds of different things to be a part of. In our church, we need teachers. In our church, we need ushers. We need those who have money. We need those who have time, right? We, we need extroverts in our church. We need people who can do administration. We need people who know how to clean something. We need funny people. We need serious people. 
We need pastors. We need deacons in our church. We need handymen. We need cooks. We need people who just like to talk with other people. Now this list could continue on. But what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is none of these roles are more important than any of the other roles. All the roles are there for a purpose, serving the church so that Christ can fill all in all within the body of Christ. And so if you're sitting here today listening to me preach, I need you to understand something. This morning, you are filling a role of ministry that's deeply needed. And you say, what am I doing? I'm just sitting here. Well, for one, you are greatly ministering to me this morning. Now, I don't know what you think about that. I, I know I'm, I'm your pastor. But that can mean different things to different people in here. But this morning, by you sitting here, by you looking at me, by you listening as I'm trying to preach the word of God to you, it ministers to me immensely. Remember how I said I'm a, I'm a negative person? How that happens to me? It is, it's, it's a real thing for me that as I see all your faces, there are faces I don't see this morning. And that bugs me. And I think about it. And I will miss the 300 and some people in here whose faces are looking at me often to think about the few that aren't looking at me this morning. And so you say, well, what am I doing here this morning? For one, you're ministering to me greatly this morning. It is a huge blessing to stand up here and to tell you every Sunday morning, it's good to see you this morning. Because it honestly is good to see you this morning. I'm glad that you are here. But as you sit here this morning, you're sitting here with other people who you're ministering to as well. You say, well, how am I ministering to them? Well, when we sing together, you're ministering to them in your singing. It's not just Cameron's job this morning or Grace's job this morning or Randy or Scott's job this morning as they were up here leading us. It's all of our jobs to minister to each other as we sing the word of God together. And so as you mumble those words under your breath, as badly as you're doing it, you are ministering to each other. You see, there are so many different roles as we talked about. And there's roles that are desperately needed. I could, I could sit up here this morning and use this as a time of the classified ads of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church to tell you everything that we need done, which is quite a bit, to be quite honest with you. But I don't think that's the purpose of this this morning. As a member of this church, as somebody who comes to this church, it is your job to minister within this church. Maybe it's going around and shaking people's hands. Maybe it is teaching. Maybe it is you're able to give more money than the next. Or maybe you can collect money and come and be an usher. Or maybe you have time on your hands that others just don't have. As you see the areas of the church where you can minister, I want to encourage you to do that. Because as you do that, what's happening is we're all working together for the whole we're working together to honor our generous God by giving our lives as in generosity to our church family. To love them and to care for them. Why? Because here we see that we are the body of Christ. That we have these roles and we are to work them together for the whole. We do our part. And why do we do our part? We do our part so that we can fulfill the mission that we have from God. And so 
as we all do our role, these are the things that help us within our church. As, as you do your part, we are able to worship well and faithfully. I think that's an important one. As you do your part within the church, it helps us as a church to be able to worship God honorably and, and faithfully and to enjoy the presence of God together, whether it's singing or listening or giving, whatever it might be. As we, as we serve the God faithfully as the body of Christ, we can give to meet needs. But we have to do that together, don't we? It's, it's difficult being the one who often is on the phone talking to somebody who's in need and saying, I'm sorry, we don't have the funds right now. Right? That, that's a difficult thing to say. But it's, it's a needed thing to say, don't, don't get me wrong, but... It's a great thing to be the one on the phone to say, yes, we can meet that need. And you know why we can meet that need? You guys are faithful to give, to do your part, to fulfill your role because God has been generous to us and you in turn want to be generous as well. You look at this building. We can take care of this building that we've been blessed with. I should put that in air quotes. But we can take care of it. Why? Because there's people within the church who have the skills to do work within the church. There's, there's funds that are given to help pay people to be able to fix things within the church, to be able to cut the grass, to be able to plant a tree, to be able to make sure that lights work, whatever the case might be. This stuff only happens as we work together. As a church family, we can fulfill the mission that God has given us here in Monroe County to reach the lost and dying in our community. How do we do that? Well, we can only do that as we work together as the church family. This is a very practical thing, isn't it? I live south of here about 12 minutes. That's where, that's where I live. I don't live in Frenchman's Bend. I don't live in Ravenwood. I don't live in, in Townsite. I don't live in Carleton. I don't live in Newport. I don't live in Adrian, where some of you live. I don't, I don't live in those places. I live on Benor Road in Erie, Michigan, and it's a dead-end road, and I love it. Why? Because I'm an introvert, and I don't have a lot of neighbors. I love it there. So I, I don't have sidewalks at my house. I don't have, you know, a neighborhood to go and ride a golf cart through. That, that's not me. But guess who does live in those neighborhoods? You. And guess who's been called with the task to reach your neighborhood? Monroe Missionary Baptist Church has been called to do it. And you know how we're going to do it? Together. You're going to share the gospel in your neighborhood. You're going to invite them to church. You're going to tell them how generous God has been when God gives you opportunities to do that. And when that person comes to know the Lord, it's not that you led them to the Lord. We led them to the Lord. Monroe Missionary Baptist Church had the privilege of leading someone to the Lord in your neighborhood. Why? Because you did it. And God ministered through you in that way. See, it's a, it's a great thing that God has designed it all this way because if everybody in the church was like me, not many people would be talked to all the time because, again, I'm more introverted. If everybody in the church was like you... You can fill that in yourself, can't you? What would the church be like? 
Right? If, if everybody in the church was like the normal Christian today, we'd only have to have church every other week because that's when most people come. It's <laughs> every other week. Right? I mean, God has designed it that we have different skills and we have different abilities. And it's perfect that he designed it this way because look at verse 18 of, of chapter 12 there. This is a, an astonishing verse that I don't think we think about very often. And I don't know if we actually would really like this verse and what it means, but listen to what it says in verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, notice this, as he chose. As he chose. So your role in this church is chosen by God. It's a God-ordained calling that you have to be an usher, if you're an usher. To be a deacon, if you're a deacon. To work in the hospitality committee, if that's you. Our crafting ladies that we just talked about. If that is, if that is you, this is a position God has given you to minister to this church. To decorate to paint, to sing. God chose this for you. Don't, don't minimize it. And also don't, don't hate it. Don't be frustrated with the task you've been given. You say, well, Pastor Tim, that's easy for you because you're the pastor. <laughs> I, I laugh at that openly because you know how much sometimes I would love to just be a member I'm not kidding for a second. Now, don't get me wrong. It's very hard for me to listen to people preach because I'm prideful, and I think I could probably have done that better. I mean, that's just what comes in my mind. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. I think that often. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's this person doing, right? But I'll have people say, you know, what are you going to do, leave this church and go to another one? And it's like, not for a job. The next church I go to is a member, not working there anymore. And so, yeah, there's good things about being a, a pastor, but there are definitely days when I think, man, I wish I could just punch in and punch out. Right? But you see, the problem with that is verse 18. God has arranged the members as he has chosen, and thus it's done perfectly. It's done exactly as he would want it to be. And so, that should bring some encouragement to you as being a part of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. You might sit here and think, I don't have a role. I don't have a purpose. <laughs> you cannot say that. God has chose for you to be here. It's not by accident that you're a part of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. You're here for a purpose and you're here for a reason. And that reason is to be the body of Christ. To love your fellow church member. To to be a part of the, of the church, to worship together, to, to listen to the preaching together. You say, well, Pastor Tim, I just feel like there's, there's more that I could do. Well, you might think that about yourself, and maybe one day you'll have the opportunity to do more. But in the meantime, do what God's asking you to do now. And there's easy things if that is. Be faithful. Look at your personality look at your talents look at the time that you have look at your treasures look at all these things in your life and sit there and maybe with the pastors or maybe with fellow church members you could ask the question of like what could I do here to serve this church family well I guarantee you're going to find an answer 
There might not be some big title that we can give you to say, you are now chairman of this. No. And I know I mention this a lot, but when you guys make food for families within the body of Christ, you don't realize how big of a deal that is. It's such a big deal that I know you think is so small and maybe you're like, ah, this is nothing. That is so much for a family who's hurting. I mean, it, it really is. And again, I fall back to your presence. Just being here is a very big deal. One of my favorite times in our church, and, and sadly it's the least attended, is Sunday night and Wednesdays. Now, if I had to vote, again, this is me being honest, I probably would have voted no to Wednesdays. That's more a busyness of life thing for me personally. Wednesdays are very difficult. But the, the joy of Wednesdays and the joy of Sundays for me isn't necessarily the services that we have or the prayer meeting that we have, which are great, and there's a purpose to why we do them. I love that on Sunday nights, we stay for an extra hour after just talking, the people who are here. Just talking about nothing. There might be a couple over here talking about some theological thing that we don't even want to talk about and get into, and we let them do that. There's others over here talking about the building and how they're going to fix it for a few hours or whatever, and that's fine. I don't want to be in that conversation either. Then there'll be people talking about their kids. There's people talking about what they're going to do this week. Just being present with each other as the body of Christ, caring for each other. And I would guess that a lot of those people who come on Sunday nights, when they, when they think about their role and their purpose in the life of the church, they don't often think about their presence on Sunday night being vitally important to other people within the body of Christ. But it, it is. Just because they're there. Just because they're there together with a commonality of being saved by Christ, worshiping God together, living in Monroe County going about our daily walk. You see, I just think those things are so important, and I think it's so important for you guys to know this. It's not some grandiose thing that this church needs in order for us to be the body. It's not some big task we need you to take on to just win everybody in the community to come to the Lord and then to come to Renormish Church. That's not, that's not what it is. Oftentimes, the body, the body of Christ the biggest thing is just being present. And I hope you guys understand that. I know it's a silly analogy, this whole body thing, but I promise you, you would notice if one of the parts of your body wasn't present when you woke up. You'd notice it really quick. No matter how small, no matter how insignificant, you would notice there's something wrong here. Yeah, the pinky finger is not that important, but if it was gone... That'd be an issue all of a sudden. You might be able to figure out how to live without it, but is that really what you want to do? No, you want to live with the whole body being there. That's what Paul's pointing out, I think, as part of it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He's saying, reminding this church, we are the body together. We all serve. Yes, there's teachers, there's pastors, there's all these different roles, there's all these different gifts, there's all these different talents, but what God has done in his perfection is he's put us together as the church to serve each other, to love each other, and then also to be able to love the community around us by sharing with them the gospel. 
by sharing with them the generosity God has shown them through the creation, through his son, and what that means for us. If we have a generous God, how then can we not be generous to each other as the church? If I look you in the eye and I realize God died for you, he sent Christ to die for you, then how in the world could I not serve you? He's done that for me. How could I not do that? Our sin gets in the way, doesn't it? But that goes back to that sermon a few weeks ago that we're thankful that Christ forgives us. We were talking as pastors, and this is how I'll end. I know, I know it's a little long. We got the trunk or treat meeting. We were talking as pastors uh, one day on Monday before we were recording some podcasts. We were talking about this sermon series, and I was sharing with them, and I think Scott was saying the same thing. The last thing I want to do is I, want, I, don't, I do not want you to walk out of this room feeling burdened. I don't. I want you to leave every Sunday morning when you walk out of this room, honestly, thinking about how good God is to you. How awesome of a God that we serve. But the fact is, God is very kind. He is very good. He's saved us. He's, he's forgiven us. And as a result of that, there are things the Bible tells us then what we will do because of that. How we will live. And it's a good reminder, I think, for all of us to see those things sometimes. And this is just one of them this morning. We are called to be the body of Christ And as we are the body of Christ, as we are united, as we love each other, and we'll talk more about this next week with the family, the Bible comes straight out and says, by this they will know, by how you love each other, it says in 1 John. This is how they will know. So you ask the question, how will my kids come to know the Lord? How will my friends come to know the Lord? How will my family come to know the Lord? The answer is very clear. It's it's how well you love God the church family, as God works through you and his kindness and his generosity, how well you do that as well is important. It should come out of us. It should show. And if it doesn't, there is a problem. I'm not saying it doesn't mean you're not a Christian. I'm not saying that. There is a problem then. How will they know? It's by how much you love each other. And so we have to make sure that we're talking well about the body of Christ. Uh, We have problems. We have difficulties. If you go to another church, I promise you, you'll find out they have problems and they have difficulties as well. We all do. It's everywhere. It's inevitable. But God has put us together with a purpose. And that's to serve each other, to be the body, and to be able to reach out. We're going to bow together and we're going to pray this morning. Again, this, is, this isn't how I was going to close. I still have another point, but I guess we'll do that next week. I'll figure that out uh, this week. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, well, I do, I do want to pray, but I just want to challenge you to be able to respond to the word of God this morning. I, again, I don't know how that's going to be. I don't think this was the most well-crafted sermon with it being cut off in the middle. But it could be. You know, asking you the question, how are you serving within the church family? Maybe that's an honest conversation you need to have with God, that you need to have with your spouse or with some friends or with some family members to see what you can do. Because again, this is how Christ ministers to each of us is is through the church.
We are the hands and the feet and the body of Christ as we serve each other. And I know that we want to do that well, and so the only way to do that well is to do it together. So I don't know, maybe you can contemplate on that this morning, but I am thankful that we have a God who saved us through the blood of his Son and who's put us together to live together, to serve together, and to worship and to honor him together. God, we do thank you for the blood of Christ. I thank you for your grace. God, God, I know as we see a passage like this, we hear a message like this, that it can feel burdensome. God, I don't, I don't want it to feel that way. God, I, we are, our sins are washed away because of the blood of Christ. Our, our salvation is cemented because of Christ's work, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And so, God, I, that's not what's being talked about this morning, not... Not our need to serve each other so that we can prove that we're Christians or so that we can earn it or so that we can keep it. God, your word tells us that when you save us, as we understand the generosity that you have given to us through the blood of Jesus, God, that it does change us. It does put us into a family. It puts us into the body of Christ to where we then serve and worship together. And so, God, we want to do that well here at this church. Yes, we've had our ups and downs, it ebbs and it flows, but God, we, we want to love each other well because you love us and you've chosen to use us. And so God, I pray that we'd be faithful to that, that we would use our time wisely, that we would use our uh, money wisely, the, the things that you've given us, that we would use those things wisely to, to honor you, to, to glorify you in everything we say and do. And God, I pray that you would would work in the midst of us, God, that we would see our family members come to know you, that we'd be able to minister to people in our community who are hurting and, and through that be able to share the gospel and to see you change hearts of stone into flesh, that people's eyes would be open to the truth that you love them and that you've died for them and that you can forgive them of their sins because of Jesus. God, I thank you for our church family. God, as we get ready to sing this last song, I pray that we would do it to worship you, that we would do it to honor and glorify you, and that we'd be able to minister to each other through our singing now, we ask in Christ's name. Amen.